is Meanwhile in the Future. Meanwhile in the Future is a podcast about possible tomorrows. We start every episode with a trip to the future, and then we come back to now to discuss how that future may or may not happen. Ready? Great. Let's start this week in the year 2086. There was a time, not so long ago, when our world was more rigid. In courtship, men are supposed to be in the active, and women in the passive voice. London Journal, 1875. People separated themselves into groups. Men and women. Boys and girls. There has been a great diversity of opinion on the subject, but the generally accepted rule is pink for the boy and blue for the girl. The reason is that pink, being a more decided and stronger color, is more suitable for the boy, while blue, which is more delicate and dainty, is prettier for the girl. Ladies' Home Journal, 1918. And with those groups came rules. Lots of rules. Boys wore suits and jeans and kept their hair short. Girls wore pink and dresses and makeup. The two should not could not mix. Women have one of the great acts of all time. The smart ones act very feminine and needy, but inside they are real killers. The person who came up with the expression, the weaker sex, was either very naive or had to be kidding. President Donald Trump, 1997. Not only do men and women communicate differently, but they think, feel, perceive, react, respond, love, need, and appreciate differently. They almost seem to be from different planets, speaking different languages and needing different nourishment. John Gray, 2002. There was a time when these rules dictated every piece of a person's life. I feel like the feminine has been a little undervalued. You need a man to be a man and a woman to be a woman. That's how relationships work. Today, we view these rigid categories as antiquated. But for the next hour, we'll travel back to a world where the desire to group humans by gender ran so deep, it was even included on their passports. So in this future, gender isn't important. This isn't to say that gender doesn't exist. But it's more like being left-handed, or... My go-to metaphor isn't handedness as much as it is hair color. I suspect it would be a lot more like that, where maybe it would be something you would recognize about someone physically, but it would have almost no consequences for the rest of their life. Because we don't say things like, oh, you're blonde, so you like to play baseball. That's Anne Leckie. I'm the author of the science fiction trilogy Ancillary Justice, Ancillary Sword, and Ancillary Mercy. I called Leckie because in her books, the main character is from a society called the Radchai. And the Radchai don't care, or even really understand, gender. But because English demands pronouns, Leckie had to figure out how to get across the Radchai's lack of gender assumptions. This is something that science fiction writers have tackled before. In the book The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula K. Le Guin, the people of a sexless society are all referred to as he. Leckie went for a different option. And I thought for a while about using other pronouns and just kind of mused. And then I said, well, what if I use she? Uh, And at first the effect was very weird and sort of almost disturbing. And I kept on doing it because a lot of times when you're not used to something, it seems weird. And the more I did it, the happier I was with it. 
The effect in the book is that there are moments when you realize as a reader that a character you thought was a woman is actually a man. It's been interesting watching people talk about it. And there's a a character in the second book who uh, I've seen a couple of people say, at first I assumed she was a woman and I thought she was just kind of a stereotypical mean girl. And then it occurred to me she might be a guy and suddenly she seemed really horrible and abusive. And I was like, isn't that interesting? That's a really interesting observation. Uh, The way that we frame particular behaviors so differently, even when they're the same behaviors, depending on what we assume about that person's gender. But the idea that gendered pronouns might confuse people is not science fiction. I grew up without gendered pronouns, right? So I kind of did, I kind of did, uh, you know, an in-the-world version of that because Tagalog has no gendered pronouns. That's Meredith Toulousin. I am an LGBT staff writer at BuzzFeed and a transgender advocate. There's this way that it's still very kind of like... I don't know, just kind of like arresting to me that English is constantly reminding people what gender they are. <laughs> Toulousin actually suggested this episode, and they understand very well what it's like to reject stereotypical gender roles. You know, I identify as gen- as, as trans feminine gender queer, meaning that I have a transgender history, I um, am non-binary, but I'm more comfortable on the feminine end of the spectrum I describe it as like moving from a really, really cramped box to like, you know, a much more spacious box of gender, but that it's still a box for me. So what would this future be like where gender is something that anybody can play with, just like they can play with their hair color? What does it mean to live in a world where when you encounter somebody, you're not really making any assumptions about their gender and and judging how they should behave or act based on the gender that you perceive them to be. Well, it would change family structures. Because right now we're assuming that a family is uh, two parents. Only just recently we're beginning to acknowledge that, yeah, actually two dads or two moms would make a family. Um, I guess you would have to think differently about uh, surnames and what it means to be descended from somebody or to have a particular name or what a family name means. I think that would definitely have to change a lot. And it would change ideas about the division of labor within those families. We would also see things like uh, really effective and inexpensive birth control widely available. And we would see things like childcare being a higher priority because right now I think uh, those issues are considered women's issues and uh, women's careers and taking care of children are considered to be something that, you know, women take care of and aren't part of doing business uh, and so don't get the kind of support. But if, if, child care isn't a gender thing. If all of those things that are considered women's issues now are considered just things that you need to think about to live, uh, I think you'll get a lot more basic support for a lot of those things. A lot of conversations about a world where gender is less important focus on the benefits it might have to trans people or to women. Things like gender-based violence and pay disparities would go away if nobody cared what gender you were. But this world would benefit men too. But I also think it would it would increase be a huge benefit to those we call men. Um, And the reason it would benefit men is because it's a huge and horrible burden um, in many, many ways to be a man in our culture. Um, You know, the incredible amount of fear about losing the power of manliness is so, it results in so much violence. It results in so much having to 
prove that you are, in fact, that thing called a man. That's Lori Essig, a sociologist at Middlebury College. And so I think in some ways it would be hugely freeing, right? So men, those we call men who wish to be soft and emotional and caring and stay home with the baby and not earn the money for the family and all those things that are put onto men could suddenly do those things as well. I mean, isn't life a lot more comfortable when you can just say, yeah, I wanted to wear a pink sparkly shirt to work today. What's your problem with that? If we could all wear whatever we wanted and act however we wanted without forcing some people to like princesses and other people to like wrestling, there would be a whole lot more time and energy for other stuff. It would open up human potential in ways that we can't even imagine. And perhaps with that opening up of human potential, some of the major crises that face us as a world community, you know, whether it's global warming or um, wars without end or structural violence, you know, some of those could loosen up as well because we would no longer be tied to solving them as men or as women. That's my optimistic view of, of what it would look like. But how far in the future is this world we're talking about? It might be hard for you to imagine a world without gender, and that's not because you're not good at imagining. It really is hard to imagine a world without gender. Anything you did today, I bet, was in some ways gendered. The way you're sitting right now while we're talking is gendered. The way you sat in public transit to get to wherever you are is gendered. Um, The way you interact with other people, your speech patterns, everything. My glasses are gendered. I don't want them to be gendered, but they're gendered. If you ever walk through a grocery store with a baby, um, it's very weird. I never put, like, bows and stuff on my daughter, say, or football stuff on my son or whatever. And so people would stop and they'd go, oh, the baby's so adorable. And they would want to, you know, go coochie-coo or whatever, you know, to coo at the baby. And they would stop and look at me and say, I'm sorry, is this a boy or a girl? Because they literally did not know how to talk to the baby unless they knew whether the baby was a boy or a girl. I had to change eye doctors once because they asked at my eye doctor my gender and marital status. And I I said, do either of these have anything to do with my eyes? I mean, is there any statistical relationship between eye health and gender or marital status? And they were like, no. And I said, well, you need to take that off your form. And and they were very resistant. So I had to find a different eye doctor. So this future is really, really far away. And it's not something we could just decide to do or legally impose upon people. If uh, someone were to come in and impose that situation on our culture today, for instance, and say, now gender will not be important to you right now, and going forward, nobody pays attention to gender, what would happen would be uh, just the same discrimination, I'm convinced, that goes on now, only you could not at all talk about it, because as soon as you did, the, our alien overlords would say, no, 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 there's no difference, you can't talk about that. And in fact, Essig thinks that right now, we're actually moving away from this future, not towards it. In the most recent push for LGBT rights, there was a lot of talk about the innateness of gender, that someone was born gay or born the wrong gender. Caitlyn Jenner has talked about having a female brain. And Essig says that if we embrace that idea, that gender is something deeply rooted within us, something biological, that means moving away from a world where gender is fluid and unimportant. I think we have more toxic ideas about gender now than we did in the 1970s and 80s. And so although we allow people to find their quote-unquote true gender, we believe that there is a true gender, that that gender doesn't change through a lifetime, 
and that it determines who we are as human beings. We, I think we believe that more now than we did 30 years ago, that we're more fixated on this idea that gender is located in the body as opposed to the culture. Of course, even today, not everybody embraces strict gender roles. I have another friend, Shawnee um, Boucher, who also identifies as genderqueer, but tends to present in the extreme in the extremes of those two binaries, you know, they tend to present as, you know, like very kind of like bro-y masculine male one day. And then you would see them presenting as a sort of like really vampy, very sort of like Hollywood style woman um, the next day. And I think that there's something about sort of like knowing them and like knowing that they exist in the world and interacting with them that, constantly challenges, you know, because myself, you know, because then, you know, when I see them in all of these different attires, I project all of these qualities onto them, knowing that they are the same person. And, you know, and that's, you know, like, I feel like that's really crazy. You know, like, it's, it's kind of, it's as though we as a society are living under this, like, just extreme level of like self I you know like I would even say you know maybe delusion is a strong word but it you know but it's hard for me to find another word you know like how crazy is it that like when you look at a person you suddenly assume that you know all of this stuff for more on a future where nobody cares about gender head to gizmodo.com where we'll post links to more information Meanwhile, In the Future is a podcast from Gizmodo. It's produced by me, Rose Eveleth. The intro is by Asura, and the outro is by Broke for Free. Special thanks this week to Rory Carroll, Dan Downs, Sheila Gagne, Stephen Grenade, Ryan Harrington, Guillermo Herrera, Tamara Krinsky, Michaela Laws, and John Olier. You can find Meanwhile in the Future on iTunes, on Twitter, and on Facebook. And if you have ideas for futures we should explore, we would love to hear from you. You can say hi on social media or email us at overthinkingit at gizmodo.com. That's all for this future. Come back next week for a new one.